totally did a leap of faith. I'm on a plane. I'm coming out. I fly all the way across the country. I go like five hours on a train. They said, a monk will meet you. And I remember getting off at the train station. I looked everywhere and no one was there. And I was like, oh, what happened? Did I just make the biggest mistake of my life? Am I about to get like taken or killed or, you know, I don't know what's happening. And this little woman comes up to me and she was about eight years old and she came up maybe to my chest. She says, hi, are you Cassie Sullivan? I said, I am. And she goes, oh, great. The silence starts now. Welcome to the Seven Hats Podcast. My name is Yuval Selig, and I've been on the entrepreneurial roller coaster for over 20 years. I've experienced it all throughout my journey the grind, burnout, failure, and ultimately, success. The turning point for me was realizing that building a successful company is meaningless if you neglect the other significant areas of your life. So today, I'm inviting you to join me on an adventure through those seven areas what I call Seven Hats. Every week, my guests and I will drop valuable insights and pearls of wisdom, helping, motivating, and inspiring you to get your Seven Hats in order and deliver real impact with meaning. So let's get going. Welcome, Seven Hatters. Today, we dive deep into hat number two, the hat of the athlete. Hat number four, the entrepreneur. And one of my favorites, hat number seven, The Seeker. As I interview my guest, Cassie Sobleton, a two-time number one best-selling author, a 30 under 30 award recipient, and the founder of Wellness Collection, where Cassie is on a mission to redefine what it means to be healthy, live better, work better, look better, and be better by supporting your wellness goals. Cassie has a truly inspiring story to tell as she battles and overcomes multiple injuries, a major health scare, substance abuse, and her most difficult battle, the battle with her mind. Let's dive into the seven hats and hear the story of how balancing mind, body, and spirit helped Cassie take back her life and how you can do so as well. Welcome, Cassie. A pleasure having you on the seven hats. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So let's start with the end in mind. Now, entrepreneurs tend to neglect our mind, our body, our spirit, in lieu of the grind. And we have this warped delusion that once we make it and we achieve financial success, then all of a sudden, we will then have the time to pay attention to ourselves and our needs. But usually, and I'm sure you know this, it might be a little too late. So you've been a corporate professional working 60 hours a week, grinding, burning the midnight oil, as most entrepreneurs can relate to. Can you tell us a little bit about your mindset and your thought process and kind of your life around that period? Yeah, no, I, I appreciate the the chance to tell you about it. And it's interesting because it seems like it would start right then, but I believe that the majority of the imbalance actually started a lot earlier. So, you know, not being raised with the proper values around, um, you know, nourishing my mind, my body, and my spirit. And that led from an unhealthy child to an unhealthy teenager to an unhealthy young adult, which was, um, of course, the beginning of my career. But because I wasn't taught that, because no one said to me, hey, you have to make sure that you are totally in alignment in order to you know, hold your health and move forward and do great things, um, I just kind of moved forward and tried to do great things. And being the typical amazing Taurus I am, and I'm a bull, and I like to just kind of push through it, I did that. And like you said, just ridiculous hours. I was working for my family at the time. And, you know, I, I just I, I was excited and I wanted to prove something and I wanted to be successful for 
whatever that meant in that moment. And my success now, or what I believe to be success is way different than what I thought was then, right? And what I've realized is through the years that unless we really define success, what that means to us, and that has to be a mind, body, spirit, at least for me, and most people I've seen that have been able to do it healthily, that's how. Success is like this moving goalpost. And as soon as you get where you think you want it and you think would make you happy, it moves. And then it moves and then it moves and then you're constantly chasing this elusive success. And what does that mean? And I'll give anything and I'll, I'll give my health and I'll give my family and I'll give my relationships. And I, I, I did that. And I luckily, I mean, God, you know, thank God I had a really major health scare, which kind of halted me in my tracks. And Rather than deciding to, you know, I had Crohn's disease, I found that out through um, a ruptured appendix and they removed a large tumor in my intestines, um, about half of my colon, about six feet of my intestines. I came out of the surgery and was given all these pills to take. Oh, and if you take all these, you'll be back to work within six weeks. And I'm like, back to work? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> no, I have to fix this thing. And everyone was so busy telling me there is no fixing this thing. It's a chronic disease. There's no cure. You're going to be like this for the rest of your life. And I was thinking, I don't believe that. I don't know what it was, but I just knew they were wrong and I wasn't going to accept that. And so it was in that moment I really took stock. You know, what, what am I missing? And I started down this huge journey that changed my life, changed my career, changed everything about me, including truly my soul. Came out a different person, which of course changed, you know, my career path and everything and what success was to me. You know, I, I really, I was in manufacturing and automotive. I expected to be in there the rest of my life and um, it took a, a different turn. So I'm thankful for that because it definitely woke me up. Um, I don't think that I would have been able to share the same stories and passion about health and wellness that I did in the corporate world. So what I then did was went into corporate wellness and went into the corporate world to help bring balance in there. So, you know, through on-site programming, through education, through meditation classes, you know, bringing these kind of like woo-woo concepts into heavy corporate America. Um, it takes a certain person. It's like this person that can balance, you know, the, the woo-woo side and then the business side and meld it together where the business people show up and do woo-woo things without realizing they're doing woo-woo things, you know? And that's, that's an interesting meld. You were abusing yourself for years, right? In the form of poor nutrition, lack of physical exercise and movement, heavy use of drugs and alcohol. And then your body said enough and kind of broke down. So was that prior to you finding out that you had all of these issues or did you start abusing yourself as a result of finding out that you had all of these issues? It all started way earlier, childhood even, you know, late childhood and um, went through my entire life. I believe that to be a big part of what Crohn's was trying to teach me was I was abusing myself too much and it was time to stop that. I do believe very much in the 80-20 rule and there are some things that we can do. You know, we can have bad food, we can drink, we can party, we can do these things in moderation. And that was the key I was missing. There was no moderation there. And, you know, looking back, that was obviously something I was trying to fill, right? I, I had something missing. And I believe a huge part of that was spirit, which is interesting because I was in an all girls private Catholic school. Like I was learning spirituality. I, I can't even say anything bad about them. Like I, I went to the coolest school in that, um, you know, it's an all girl private Catholic, but every single semester, I don't even know if there are semesters in high school, but whatever. We took, um, you know, different, different religions like Judaism and Buddhism and, you know, all these different things that really opened my mind to these different ideas. But even though I was kind of latching on to these things, I was still heavily rooted in Catholicism and that didn't completely connect with me. So I, I let it all go. And um, anyway, something was missing and that's what I was obviously searching for. And then 
when I got really sick is the turning point where I said no more. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do to fix this thing, but you all keep telling me it's a digestive disease and I can't fix it with food. Like, that's weird to me. So what do I do? How do I fix this? And, you know, there aren't a whole lot. Well, in 1999, there weren't a whole lot of holistic practitioners in Michigan, at least, or in America. I mean, it was very hard to find. I even was able to go to Europe and meet with some people, but I, I traveled across the U.S. trying to figure out how to heal myself. And I remember very well uh, going into doctor's offices and like interviewing them. Like, I'd like to come off all my meds and I'd like to reverse this disease that everyone tells me is, you know, incurable. And, you know, some doctors look at me and they're like, you're crazy. It's never going to happen. I'm like, bye-bye. I'm out. Right. And so I found that doctor who said, I don't know how you're going to do it, but you seem pretty darn determined. Yeah, I'll help you. I'll help you. Let's start cutting down your meds, you know, and one at a time, like 30 some meds, one at a time, we start cutting down the pills. Waiting a few weeks, taking blood, seeing how it worked. Okay, that worked. Cut it down again. Waiting a few weeks, taking blood. And slowly over time, and it took about a year, I was able to come off all my meds with the help of a physician who was on board with what I wanted to do, which is the biggest component, really. Because um, honestly, society wasn't. My family was like, what are you thinking? Just take your meds and be healthy and be happy. And I'm like, how are these meds going to make me healthy or happy? They seem very expensive. Each one of them had a side effect. They were making me tired. They were, you know, there was just a lot going on. And I, I don't know why I was so determined and knew I could do it, but I was able to. And that was a great thing. But um, society doesn't always support those kind of decisions, maybe now more than ever. But, you know, back then you get a big diagnosis and you just take your drugs and do what the doctor tells you, the man in the white coat, you know? A lot of seven hatters out there are self-medicating right now. And I know that especially 2020, it's incredible on the number of uh, individuals right now in the U.S. that are uh, facing their demons, right? That are uh, depressed, that are on antidepressants and, and really kind of numbing. So when you were numbing with food or with, with drugs, what were you trying to escape? Like, what was the story in your mind back then that allowed you to because that's the only reason pretty much you would be addicted. You're trying to numb, you're trying to escape. What, were, what, what is it? Was it your childhood? Was it your religion? Was it your parents? Like, what was it that you were rebelling against? Yeah, for me, it was 100% childhood. I had a, you know, my parents were divorced by the time I was three. There was a lot of strife in the household. There was a lot of fighting. There was a lot of, you know, maybe manipulation. There was a lot that happened. And um, I had to grow up really, really quick. And I, you know, I had a little sister who was a couple years younger than me that I had a lot of responsibility for. So I didn't have the same childhood that a lot of people would have. And it's interesting because, you know, in a lot of ways, I had a great childhood, right? I had, you know, loving people around me. I had wonderful grandparents. I had like really, I had autonomy. Like when I look back on my childhood and I, I mean, I got my license a couple years early and was just like, Bye-bye, you know, and that was so cool at the time. And even now I look back and I'm like, I remember feeling very empowered. I have always felt that way. Um, and I think some of that might be from that kind of childhood, which was like, I know you're not going to get in trouble. Go out and have fun. But I did get in trouble. But I mean, kill myself or get, you know, um, taken off my bike or whatever. You know, things were just different back then. But I do remember being fully empowered um, and very stubborn around that power. And that power is probably what's driven me to become the entrepreneur that I am and, you know, want to do these things. But I do think it's it's the lack of the parental support or what they were able to give in a divorced way. I mean, we were some of the first 
I mean, maybe the first family I knew, I think, actually, to ever have a divorce and to deal with all that and not see my dad for years at a time. And then when I did, it was every other weekend for 36 hours. And, you know, then it was gone for a while. And my mom was married to, um, she got married to a man that wasn't the greatest stepdad who made life really difficult. And all I wanted to do was get out of the house. And, you know, I mean, it just, it kind of became this numbing in exactly what you said. That's what people I think are doing. And it's easy to do. Um, and sometimes I actually believe quite helpful. I mean, there is like, when I think about like energy levels, you know, and super depressed, I mean, drugs might bring you a little bit up out of that, closer to the happiness level. And, you know, some people need to medicate to get to a certain place, but it never gets you there permanently, you know? And I do remember, and I, I use this as an example often, like I remember when I was in college, especially, and I was doing a lot of drugs and it started for me in early high school. Um, but college is when like the bigger drugs showed up. And I do remember very much then, like I would say like my energy level was down here. So drugs brought me up here, but like now my energy level's here and, and drugs would bring me down. Right. And so those drugs might have like a certain uh, vibration level. And if you're below it, they're going to bring you up to that. But if you're above it, it's going to bring you down to that. And it's interesting because like now my big goal is to like always be so much higher above that. And that's just where my my tempo is now that, you know, they'll tend to kind of pull me down in that way. But if you're low when they're pulling you up, it feels good. And so I can see why a lot of people are struggling with that, especially in, you know, the wake of everything that's been going on. And um, the one thing that I found to, to take me out from underneath all that was spirituality in connection to a higher source. And some people call that God and other people the universe and some their higher self. And I believe them all to be true. Um, but, you know, when I'm connected to that, it's it's not so interesting to be out of my mind. You know, my, I like where my mind is when I'm connected to that. So you made a life-changing decision to heal. You met this doctor. Uh, it prompted you to take this arduous long journey into self-discovery and try to heal your childhood trauma. And that really could only be done through balance and, and mind-body-spirit connection. And you were kind of the vehicle, that catalyst to not only find it within yourself, but then ultimately teach it. So you wrote a book, uh, num number one bestseller. Congratulations. Uh, you actually wrote two books that were number one bestsellers. But the book that I'm referring to right now is Back to Balance. I struggle with this one because I always ask myself, how do you get it all done? Is there balance? And the question to you is, is there such a thing as balance in life? I think there is. And I think the most obvious reason to that is when we're out of balance. That becomes extremely obvious when it's missing more so than when we are actually balanced. Um, I don't think it's this perfect balance, right? And I, I don't think it's um, it doesn't stay. So we're constantly having to work on keeping that, that center point. And I do think if we say super centered, um, it's easier when we get blown around, when we get knocked over, when we get hit with something hard, right? Um, staying center is really important and difficult to do if you're not connected to something bigger than yourself, because there's a lot of things bigger than us that are trying to knock us down every single day. You know, when you mentioned out of balance, Oprah speaks to listening to life's whispers so that it doesn't have to knock you upside the head. And I believe she used the analogy of life throwing these pebbles to get your attention. And if you don't listen to the universe's attention grabbing pebble, uh, all of a sudden it gets larger and larger and then you get a boulder right hit on your head. And you speak to a similar analogy where you stated that your physical challenges are actually trying to teach you something like school. Uh, you get to second grade, then you get to third grade and each grade you have more advanced teachings and you have to pass it in order to get to the next grade. Can you elaborate on those physical challenges uh, that you faced and what they were telling you and what did you learn? 
So I found something really interesting in each one of my surgeries, and there's been a lot of them through the years. Um, each one of them, I had these moments where I had some books show up in my life that I'd never heard of, never heard of the author, never heard of the book, but somehow, some way, when I'm recovering, and in the most vulnerable moments of my life, because they really are when you're in those kind of surgery recoveries, these books showed up, and one of them was Louise Hayes, Heal Yourself, and it was talking all about, and I remember reading it, and I was it was at least 20 years ago, and I remember reading through after a surgery, and this was actually a knee surgery, and it, there's like a, a chart in there, and it says literally each body part and right and left side, and what they mean, because what the whole concept is we attract into our life the lessons we need to learn to move forward. So, for example, if you keep attracting knee injuries or you keep attracting digestive issues, it could be an illness, it could be an accident, a blunt force accident or a slow to roll illness. Um, but what they're doing is it's the body's way when you're not listening to those little whispers, um, the body's way of showing up so that you can't deny the whispers anymore. And so I remember reading this and thinking, total nonsense. There is no way this woman is a whack job. You know, like, why did this book show up here? But there was something a little in my head. And again, this is long before the Crohn surgery or any of that. This was during some knee surgery situations. And I first had a knee situation. I fell off my 10-speed um, bike on the way home on my 10th birthday. I was given a bike by my dad for my birthday. Took me to the store, let me pick it out and ride it home. And I was thrilled. And on the way home, I wiped out and just completely tore apart my left knee. And that started a series of knee surgeries. I've had a cadaver bone put in my left leg because of an accident. I've had five knee surgeries. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Plates, screws. I mean, it was nuts. But I remember thinking, finally after, like, I remember maybe the fifth surgery going, there was that book that one time. And that book that I read said something about how these, these issues keep showing up in our lives. What if I'm totally ignoring it and like God just keeps turning up the volume on these problems in my life? And I remember like, I gotta find that book. What was that book? You know, and I dug through my stuff and I found the book. I reread it and I looked at it and it was like left knee is fear of moving forward in life and you know, left side is mother and anyways, all these things that just made sense. And I'm like, but I'm still a little in denial of it, right? Because the ego is going, uh-uh, no way, not true. And I'm thinking, okay, so what's going on? So I started reading, I'm like, okay, let me think about this who do I know that's had a heart attack? And I look it up and I'm like, oh, it's exactly the description of them. And then I'm like, okay, what about breast cancer? <gasps> a woman who gives everything of herself and has the life sucked out of her. Like, oh my God, the three people I know who have breast cancer literally gave so much to everyone around them and like killed them. Oh, and then what about this? And what about, and it made sense for everyone else. I'm like, oh my God, mine has to be right. You know, I mean, if all of these are right around these other people, like mine has to be right. I have to take this as gospel. And I remember like thinking, okay, I'm going to go through and I'm going to pick out every one of my ailments. And they had started in my intestines. I had all these knee surgeries and I started picking through them. And then I made a list of the things I needed to improve in my life to stop getting sick. And it was around that time, like I started really focusing like, okay, first chakra, second chakra, that's digestive, that's root, that's family, that's this. And I really started diving in deep around like, okay, I can't ask my family to do it for me. Maybe I could. I don't know if they were equipped at the time, or maybe I just didn't trust that they could. But how do I mother or father myself like that little girl inside of me? You know, how do I learn that? And I didn't even know where to start. And then, like, something happened weird in a week's time where four people said to me, have you ever heard of the Zen Monastery Peace Center? What? The Zen Monastery Peace Center? Yeah, four people in one week. I'd never heard of it. So I Google it. I look it up. And this was, like, right when the Internet was starting. There was, like, a one-page website, and it said retreats apply here and i'm thinking they're twice a year and i'm like i don't know maybe i should apply like it seems a little weird that this thing was said to me so many times so i apply 
I get a phone call within 10 minutes of a monk out in California who's like, you just applied for a retreat and oddly we had someone cancel this morning and you would have to come out in two days. Let me, let's do an interview. They interview me and they're like, you'd be perfect for a retreat. Are you interested? I'm like, I totally did a leap of faith. I'm on a plane. I'm coming out. I fly all the way across the country. I drive all the way, or I, I get on a, um, a train. I go like five hours on a train. They said a monk will meet you. And I remember getting off at the train station. I looked everywhere and no one was there. And I was like, oh, what happened? Did I just make the biggest mistake in my life? Am I about to get like taken or killed or, you know, I don't know what's happening. And this little woman comes up to me and she was about eight years old and she came up maybe to my chest. She says, hi, are you Cassie Sobleton? I said, I am. And she goes, oh, great. The silence starts now. I had no idea. I was on a silent retreat. I had no idea what I was about to go through in the next two weeks were the most life-changing two weeks, the most growth I've ever had in my entire life in two weeks, like literally for the last 20 years in two weeks. And um, I learned a lot about why the body shows what it shows to us, what I'm trying to learn. How do I nurture that child inside of me and just take ownership of her issues because they're mine now. You know, I mean, maybe until 18, I could have blamed them on someone else. But now at, at the time, I'm, you know, 20 some years old. Now they're mine and it's time for me to fix them. And so I just decided to dive deep and I cried and I cried and I cried and I cried. For years, it felt like I meditated, I cried, I was depressed, I was angry, I cried, then I was super happy for a few weeks. Then I meditated, cried, depressed, angry, then happy. You know what I And like the depressed and angry times got shorter and the happiness got wider. And I believe strongly that I was detoxing all those emotions stored in me that would have otherwise come out as more illnesses or injuries. Like I would have just kept attracting these situations if I hadn't just bubbled it all up and gotten it out. And it was hard to bubble it up. Like, to be quite honest, I very well could have taken my life during that time. It was so hard. Um, again, like total Taurus bowl strong. I, I didn't, but I can see why some people don't want to do that kind of work because it is hard, but it's so worth it. And one thing I did maybe wrong, I took it all on too quick. Like I just, and, and maybe that's what I needed. And I am kind of that way. I'm on or off. Um, but I went so hard, so quick into it. I wish I had maybe taken it a little bit slower or found the proper teacher. And I remember like jumping from this retreat to that retreat to this, to this, to that. And I learned so much and I was doing so much and my mind was blown and I was excited. And then I had this one mentor. She's so sweet. And she says to me, Hey Cassie, imagine if you were in your backyard and you're looking for water, you're digging for water and like you would dig four shovels and then you'd stop and you move to the next spot. You dig a four shovels worth and stop and move to the next spot. She's like, you only get so deep. So like, I really think you should choose a practice and stick with it, you know, because you're like all over the map. And it was at that point, I really kind of just like integrated all of it into my practice and what that is for me. Um, but that's where I think the balance resides in, you know, my, my balance is different than your balance and that's different than someone else's. Right. But it took all those experiences for me to figure out what would work for me and then find it and stick with it. But it was, it was life changing. Wow. There's a lot to uncover there. So obviously you went on this journey. You became a seeker. I read your book. And as soon as you spoke of Louise Hay, I went to my library and I'm like, wait a second. I have a book by Louise Hay. And then it says, you can heal your life. And I remember just like the time you opened the book and I started reading that pink eye is all about anger and frustration and not wanting to see. And that polio is paralyzing jealousy, a desire to stop someone. And my ego basically said, nah, no way. That's, that's, that's like hokey, pokey shit. That's forget it. But the reality is what you found based on your exploration was that your problem stemmed from 
as Louise Hay stated, fear of letting go and holding on to the past. And that just, it's resounding. Like now you can see that looking back and hearing your story and connecting the dots backwards, that's really kind of what it was. It was a traumatic experience as a child and not letting go. And if you can't let go, guess what happens? You're not going anywhere. And so you weren't going anywhere and your soul is basically telling you, hey, here's a pebble, here's a pebble, here's a pebble. You weren't listening and it threw that boulder across your way. And I think that's a great lesson. Let's speak of kind of your base findings, right? That mind-body-spirit connection. Let's dive into each one at a high level just to help the seven hatters kind of get a feel for what mind-body-spirit is and how they're connected Um, You know, I like to talk a lot about mind-body-spirit when it comes to a tripod, because it's just so easy to envision the tripod. And if one of the legs are so substantially shorter or longer than the others, it's not going to work. It's going to topple over one way or the other. And that's what I found what is happening in my life. I wasn't giving the proper attention specific, well, gosh, to any of them, really. Um, But spirit is an elusive one. That was something that um, was difficult for me at the time, again, because I think I connected more with probably Buddhist traditions. Um, again, that's not necessarily a religion, but a lot of people, you know, there are some some roots in that. And I was really raised in the Catholic faith and it wasn't clicking with me all the way. I, I didn't totally feel it. So when I finally started figuring all this out, I when I started reading things like Louise Hay, I remember thinking like, that's my spirituality. And I didn't even know what to call it. It was just this, and some people say like, my spirituality is kindness or my spirituality is, I don't, I don't, I still don't even have the right words for that all the time. I guess it's just my spirituality, but it's like this little piece of all these different things. And for me, it's way different than others. And for others, it's going to be different than, you know, anyone standing next to them. But I think it's this interesting meld of what we've been taught as children versus what we feel in our heart versus what we might know to be true. I I've had a near-death experience in my life, which I don't even talk about much because it gets people off on a whole different tangent. But that moment was during my Crohn's surgery. It was um, right afterwards. And when I came back from that moment um, or this, this, this vision or whatever it was, I was absolutely 1000% certain, never thought about reincarnation before in my entire life. And I came out and I was like, I'm reincarnated. I've been back here a million times. I know exactly what's coming next. Like all of a sudden, like all this embodiment of these, what I assume are past lives, like came into me and it felt like I just, I I turned on, I turned on a switch that was there, but like bubbling under the surface. And once it showed up, I, all of a sudden the books that started coming into my life and the, the mentors and again, some of those mentors aren't even like people in my real life, they're authors, but they became mentors in a lot of ways to me because I started just consuming their work, trying to find everything I could about them. I started getting into channeling. It was like one little thing led to the next and one little thing led to the next and next and next and next. And one of the things I found to be really um, useful was to try to find like-minded people. But I think that wasn't so easy then. The internet wasn't so readily available and there wasn't you know, so much. So I kept a lot of it to myself, which actually allowed it to become like deeply personal to me, which was kind of cool. And now that it's like so embedded in who I am, I get to find others and share it with them. Um, but it wasn't the case from the beginning. I didn't really immediately find a whole lot of people like that. So it was interesting because my journey into health was definitely the body. I, I, like everybody, was like, I'm sick, I need to get healthy, I'm going to eat right, and I'm going to stop abusing my body, and I'm going to exercise. Like, those are the three things, exercise, food, and um, movement, right? I mean, I'm going to learn how to 
help my body. And so when I did that, the other two things just upgraded by themselves. You know what I mean? Like my spirituality all of a sudden became more succinct because the toxins were out of my body and I could feel things differently and hear little voices differently and get those internal nudges that may have been literally blocked by toxins and the stuff I was putting in my body. So when you remove all that, all of a sudden you have this, this conduit that wasn't there before. And so the body was, I think, a really big part of it. And it certainly isn't all of it, but most people stop there. And that becomes a problem because they, you know, we have to work on the rest of it. And so mentally and spiritually, I had to start doing a lot of work. I really had to start breaking down um, my old patterns, right? This, these patterns of, I never so much was a victim, but like, um, you know, I don't always get what everyone else gets. And, you know, it's not fair that I don't have a father around and it's not fair that I don't have this nuclear family and it's not fair that I have to take care of my sibling and it's not fair. It's not fair. So like, I don't know. I never felt like a victim, like, oh, poor me. But I remember being like, I want that and I can't have it. And so I started like mentally unwinding that. And, you know, how do I change my mentality? So every single time I would have one of those thoughts, like first and foremost, meditation allowed me to like when I started meditating, I would start realizing like all these different thoughts popping up at the same time all over the place. And I was watching them, which meant they weren't me. So then I was like, okay, so those thoughts aren't me. That's cool. That's realization number one, but that took like a year. And then when I realized they weren't me, I'm like, okay, so if they aren't me, can I grab them and toss them out? So that became like my new thing all the time for like 20 years to this day. Every time I have a thought that I don't like, I'm like, oh, I grab it and throw it out. Like, I don't know why, but I physically have to do that. And I physically like dream about doing that. Like if I'm in a dream and I'm having a bad thought, I grab it and pull it out. And sometimes I do that just people are like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm grabbing my bad thoughts. But it's, you know, interesting because like I had to train myself like through positivity. But also there's like this weird, I think like sometimes we can get, let's just focus on the positive. Like so much of healing is bringing up the old and getting it out. But if you're so busy trying to stuff it down and make it pretty and positive, it doesn't work. At least it didn't for me. So I had to get like really raw and really emotional and do the mental work around that and continuously, you know, pluck those thoughts out of my brain, know they're there, look at them, deal with them. Why did I, that's not true. Like, why would I think that, you know, looking, literally holding these thoughts in my hand, looking at them like that's not even true. It's no longer has a home here. Let's get rid of that. And um, that was, I think, a huge mental practice for me and all the reading. I mean, I just just learned so much from so many authors. Um, and then spiritually, it was way easier to connect once I had that kind of knowledge. And once I started, you know, kind of mining my uh, gosh, whatever we want to call it. Right. When I started mining, like through my body and being like, what is it that I need to do to stay connected? And I got like major downloads around that. And I still to this day do. Sometimes I get these like really random, weird downloads like I went on retreat uh, about a year and a half ago, and it's in my, it said, shut down your business. Go home and shut down your business. And I, I, I had just launched my second book in my field to do business around, and I came home and was like, oh, I have a launch party next week, and I think I'm going to tell everyone I'm closing my business. Like, this is insane. Everyone's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I don't know. And then COVID hit, my business just done, you know? And it's just, it's unbelievable. Like, every now and then, we get if we're listening they're there. And I saved myself six months. I was six months ahead of the game when COVID hit because I had that download. But, you know, if I was eating junk and I wasn't connected and I wasn't doing the spiritual work or the mental work, like I want to hear those things. And I certainly want to have the guts to act on them if I did. It's so crucial to get this connection and balance between mind, body, spirit for entrepreneurs specifically, because you mentioned Sean Acor. I think I'm saying his name right. I'm not exactly sure. But Sean Acor wrote a book called The Happiness Advantage. And he claims that success does not fuel happiness, that happiness 
fuels success. So if an entrepreneur works on their mind-body-spirit connection, they probably have a much higher likelihood of being happy, right? Or finding purpose and meaning and fulfillment in life. And therefore, that's going to fuel their business success because they'll be able to find creativity and intuition and leadership abilities and the and focus and, and purpose. Tell us a little bit about your thoughts on that connection with what Sean wrote specifically for entrepreneurs, because you're an entrepreneur. So I think when I'm connected and when I'm in balance, I emit a different level of energy than when I'm not. And that level of energy, that frequency attracts people who are going to assist in my journey and let me assist in theirs. Cause that feels good to me too. Right. And so it's like this, um, I don't know. It's, I, I believe it's like a frequency and, you know, almost like a um, antenna on a radio and you're going to tune into a certain station and the higher that frequency is, the more you're going to attract the proper help, assistance, love, support, all of it, and be able to give that back. Um, I think it's actually just as easy as that. Like literally when I'm in balance, I attract the right things in life. When I'm in balance, I have inspired action. When I'm in balance, ideas come to me easily. When I'm in balance, people want to do more for me to help me. When I'm in balance, I give more love and probably I'm given more love. You know, I mean, it just goes on and on like that. Um, So what I found was prior to realizing all this, I worked really, really hard. I mean, I worked really hard to get not too far. And when I started getting connected, I had to work way less. And the more showed up at my doorstep, you know, more success, more opportunities, more people, more love, more support. Um, But it's really weird because like it hasn't just gone on this trajectory where it keeps going up like that. It's like, okay, I go up and I get it like I'm walking up the stairs and I'm at a landing spot and then like everything falls apart again. I'm like, wait, what's happening? I thought I got this thing. You know, and I keep like, oh, oh, and then but what's happening is like each time I keep being presented deeper and deeper wounds and deeper and deeper healing opportunities because they're both the same. And, you know, the more I walk that path, the more I realize like, oh, I have to go back to my foundation, go back to the two hour meditations, like you just mentioned, because I did the same thing at the beginning. Like I went so deep and I had so, I was meditating at first. It was like 20 minutes every day. Are these people crazy? And then all of a sudden I'm meditating two to four hours every day. You know, I mean, it finds its way. And when you when you realize the benefits of it, when we as humans realize the benefit of it, all of a sudden we're like, whoa, I can make time, you know, and then and then then I'm feeling so much through that. And then what happens is slowly over time that dwindles back because everything's going great and everything's feeling good and I'm connected and I'm balanced. And, you know, slowly everything kind of starts wobbling and toppling. And next thing you know, I, I'm realizing, oh, I haven't been meditating that much lately or I haven't been meditating that long or, you know, I'm not giving this or I've been eating kind of bad food or, you know, all these things. And then it kind of sometimes takes a little bit of a topple to get me back onto that journey in that way. Um, but I think every entrepreneur realizes that. Now, if they don't, I mean, they eventually realize that. Um, but many of them will say things to me. Yeah. And many of them will say things to me like, oh, I know my fitness you know, routine is such an important part. I can't break away from that or the way I eat or I have to get X amount of hours of sleep or, 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 right. They end up figuring out whatever it is that they need um, and they wouldn't be successful if they didn't. They absolutely, the universe wouldn't let them. The laws of the universe don't, it's not going to happen, right? If we're totally out of balance, like there's a reason that balance is there. And I, I think we all um, need it. It's it's important. And so when I went into corporate America, I was very much like, 
mind, body, spirit. And, you know, I, I understood corporate America and I understood business, but there were no other words for it at the time. Like I didn't know how to, you know, express it. And it was funny because I remember like sitting at this, I worked at a hospital. I went and pitched a wellness program to a large hospital in Detroit. They hired me. They, I ended up being at like this table with all these um, hospital CEOs. And I'll never forget it. It was like 15 years ago. And I remember saying, well, we're going to bring mind, body, spirit into, into corporate America. And we're already starting with these nutrition lunch and learns and with this and with that. And I remember, and there were even three women there. And there were like three out of six of the CEOs in this room were women. And they said to me, that's really cute, but it's never going to work. It is absolutely not going to work. You're, you're never going to make it. And, I, and they're like, you really should stay doing what you're doing. And I thought, wow, they're so ridiculous. Like, what are they talking about? And I, I you know, I went on and did my thing because I'm stubborn. And um, it was <laughs> it was really interesting how over the time in the next 10 years, the past 10 years, I've watched that industry, corporate wellness, move to this idea of well-being. So they don't call it wellness anymore because wellness is purely physical, but well-being as this idea of mental, emotional, spiritual, occupational, and financial well-being. So that's like their six pillars. All of a sudden, the whole corporate wellness world is talking about it. And they put cute little words on it. It's not mind, body, spirit. It's mental, physical, emotional, occupational, and um, financial, right? So, and it's kind of the same thing, but it's way more business worded, you know? So that's kind of like the new buzzword in corporate America now, or at least the well-being, wellness area, um, is how do you help people find that balance? They have to have financial balance, right? It's If someone's coming to work worrying about making their rent, they're not going to be a good employee for you that day, right? If they're coming to work with major emotional issues, they're not going to be there. You might pay them for eight hours. They're there for like three, you know, I mean, they're working on their other stuff. If they have major spiritual problems, if they have major, you know, whatever occupational problems, if they hate their boss, if they hate their coworkers, if they hate what they're doing, you're not, you're paying them for eight, but you might be getting two hours. It's the same thing. They're a little more focused on, you know, money and how to help people be balanced so that we can get more out of them. But the entrepreneur has to be a little bit more selfish and be like, I need to protect me. I need to protect this body. I need to protect the little girl inside of me that needs to also be able to come out because guess what? Corporate America is scary and you have to be rough and you have to be tough and you have to have thick skin and you have to have all this. Well, how do you do that? And then also maintain the innocence and feminism, you know, femininism of a little girl or, you know what I mean? Like there's this, this weird balance, especially with women where you're, you're supposed to be so open and beautiful and feminine and lovely. And, you know, and then you're supposed to like go in and deal with, you know, corporate America and, and act like a man. And, you know, there's like, how do you hold both of those in the same container? And that was something I was very good at the masculine side of it, but not the other. I wasn't able to hold all that and then still have the little girl feel safe and secure inside of me. And so for me, that was a huge part of my body spirit balance too. And um, I think every woman's going to deal with that, but men, you know, have their own unique challenges. And I understand that in corporate America, it, it tosses us all around. And I think we're coming out of a pandemic that literally could have been completely like the big reason for it might be to have changed everyone's lives and how we work and remote working and flexibility and all the things that I hope will come out of this. Um, but entrepreneurs never get that chance. They have someone try to fix it for them. They have to do it for themselves. And it's important. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the entrepreneur also, the smart entrepreneurs, the ones that are listening to this episode and they're like, you know what? You guys have something here that I'm going to pay attention to because think about it. Leadership is not just about telling someone what to do. True leadership is owning it and having others follow you because they want to follow you. So if you as a leader, Find that mind, body, spirit connection. 
and you embody it and you focus on yourself and you're now connected and you're seeing this, these changes in your life and you implement it into your culture, in your company culture, guess what you're going to get? A whole bunch of productive, creative, insightful employees who are going to follow you and love you and take your dreams and make them a reality. So the, the issue, though, is there's a disconnect between what you're saying and what I just said in terms of, yeah, it's all nice. I want mind, body, spirit. And I call them a holistic entrepreneur, right? It could be, be either be spelled with an H or with a W, but a holistic entrepreneur. That's one who really understands who they are, what their why is, why they're doing what they're doing, and they can lead a large group. But we know entrepreneurs, and I promise you, there are entrepreneurs listening right now that will be yelling at us saying, you don't understand you know, I have this and I have that and I have this and I just don't have time and you don't know my life and I'm struggling and, you know, but I know one thing for sure. If you want something as an entrepreneur or just a person, if your why is powerful enough, you will find the time because it all by boils down to what you focus on, what you think about. So what is your advice? Because you've been there, right? I know that you had the same mindset. I don't have time. I don't have time. I can't do this. I can't meditate. I got to run my business. And ultimately, my question that I had, you know, years ago is how could one person with the same 168 hours in a week literally change the world and another person can't find time to work out? So where's the disconnect and what advice would you give entrepreneurs? Because ultimately, you've dealt with it and you've knocked your head against the wall on this roller coaster until you figured it out, what is the advice that you can give entrepreneurs and how to get it done and how to really incorporate all of the things we just spoke about? Because it's nice, but how do you get it done? So I believe strongly in small changes adding up over time for big results. And, you know, I mean, standing over on one side of the room is a person who's eating horribly you know, not at all taking care of their mental mindset, not at all worrying about spirituality or connection, not giving back to community, you know, all the things that probably most of us would do without direction. Um, and then over on one side, you know, the opposite side of the room is the person who is totally and completely fit and healthy and, you know, whole and balanced and, you know, just a lovely human being who has figured it all out. Both, you know, they figured out the career, they figured out how to manage it all, family, friends, everything. It's You don't hop from one to the other. You just, first of all, don't even energetically hold the ability to do that. So what I like to tell people is take one step. I don't care what you do. Like even in the book, Back to Balance, first book I wrote, in every chapter at the end had like a checklist. And it said, you know, these are some bullet points of the things that we talked about in this chapter. Pick one. Just pick one of them and apply them into your, you know, apply it into your life. And spend a week or a month doing that one thing. And in a week or a month, it will be a habit. It is no longer something you're trying to do. And then come back to this book and pick it up and pick another thing. And, you know, that's essentially what I did just slowly over time. Um, I didn't try to make this major jump into this new lifestyle. I mean, my, my illness forced me a little bit to do that. But when I first started learning about everything, it wasn't like I just had this brain dump with all this information. I went back to school, the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. I went back and became a yoga instructor. I went back and became a meditation teacher. I, everything was slowly as I became passionate about it. So it wasn't such a huge shock to the system. And then what ended up happening to me was everyone looked at me and thought, um, what did you do? You look different. You lost a ton of weight. You seem different. You seem happy. You know, what's going on? And then my why became sharing that with others. 
And it really became a really big part of what I wanted to do because people were looking at me like, I don't see you doing a whole lot different because those little tiny upgrades make a really big difference over time. And they're not with me 24 hours a day, you know? And then people would start coming to my house and being like, oh, you do this and oh, look at that. And what a great idea of replacing your light bulbs with full spectrum everywhere. And what a great idea to have, you know, a saltwater plunge and what a great, you know what I mean? Like all the things slowly over time that added into my life and into my world to make it easy to be healthy became something that I could show others. And then I became a teacher about it, which by the way, I think the best way by and far to become healthy is force yourself to be that billboard of it. You know, I mean, one of the things that I really made a conscious decision around was I want to keep this in my life. How do I do it? Make it my work. You know, I mean, what am I going to do most of the time? 40 hours at least a week. Yeah, you know, well, if I've been focusing on health and wellness just for my work, then I'm probably going to stay healthy. And so that was a big part of my career decision. But plus, it just became my passion and, you know, what drove me and how I you know, wanted to share with the world. So that was interesting. But I do think it's just small changes. You know, if, if you heard about meditation 15 times over the last month and you're hearing about it on this podcast, look it up. Look for a local class. They're everywhere now. There's tons of meditation apps that are teaching it. You know, if you heard us talking about um what have we talked about? You know, anything, right? Like thinking about watching your mind. If you heard us talk about Louise Hay and heal your body, you want to know that injury spot on your body that keeps getting hurt over and over, go check out that book. So it's those little things because that book has something in it that will lead you to something. And that has something that will lead you to something. And it's like this constant exploration. I mean, we are always learning about ourselves. And what a wonderful thing of self-study. If your spirit, if your intuition, if you're feeling something right now listening, it's the universe telling you, I have to take action. And that's your little pebble. Let that little pebble hit you and take note of it. You don't want that big boulder to hit you over the head and you're sick or having huge financial issues or mental issues or whatever it is, because it's not just you. It's you, your loved ones that really are affected. So now you've really kind of figured it out in a sense. You've spent decades knocking your head against the wall and you're transformed. So that internal story, we all have it. But how did your story, your internal story evolve from that 20-something-year-old to where you are right now? Interesting. Um, it has evolved majorly. Of course, another 20 years have gone by. Um, you know, these days, it's more and more about healing, bringing things up and heal it, up and heal it, up and heal it. Um, I struggled for a very long time. I've never been married. I've never had children. I've never even met anyone that I thought, you know, I should marry this person. This, you know, this is it. And then about three years ago, I did meet someone who's pretty amazing. We've moved in together and we're living together and um, it's wonderful. That brings about a whole nother component of, you know, healing and learning and having a partner who can help with that. And so um, some, some of my stuff has shifted. It shifted from like Cassie Sobleton as this one being to Cassie in a couple, you know, as a couple, I should say. Um, and he's been very helpful in helping me even reframe things as as far as my family and how to look at that. So it's interesting how different people are brought into our lives to help us see things differently and help us clear through things. His family really and I resonate very well together, those types of things. So Everything lately for me, the internal story has been, A, how lucky I am to have had this healing journey, and I want to continue it. But the more I go into it, the more I'm realizing there's all this stuff that still needs to be healed. So I'm focusing on that, but I no longer have this like, oh, I don't get to do that, or why is this happening to me, or it's not fair, or 
Now it's just like, okay, so this is still showing up in my life. What do I need? What do I need to realize? Right. And so constantly, like everything I do now seems to be through the lens of how do I learn more about myself and heal these situations? It just becomes so such a big part of who I am that it's always the first thing that I go to. And so that's essentially my internal stories are always that like even when someone says something and it triggers me, I'm like, oh, what did that just remind me of? OK, let me try to go there. You know, and so it's just become automatic in that way, which I think is what we need in order to be able to heal. Right. We have to see it front and center. Um, and it sounds so hokey, like, oh, heal. Yeah, look at her. She looks great. She's healthy. She's healthy, healthy, happy. She's, you know, doing well. She has these companies. I'm a mess. I'm a mess like everyone, you know? I'm, I'm constantly trying to deal with my stuff. I'm constantly trying to figure out, like, why do I know people that, like, start businesses and within a year they're making millions and within a year I'm still formulating products? And, you know, why is everything, like, it's always a mirror. There are always these mirrors that are put up and I'm constantly dealing with them like everyone else. Um, so yeah, that my new thing is like, uh, how do I get past those things? Like how, why I don't want to work so hard for money. I want to figure out how to let money. I just watched something yesterday and it was, uh, I don't remember what it was, but anyways, it was talking about like money being like air. You breathe it in, you breathe it out. It's always around you, you know? And, and why, why don't I have that yet? Like, where is my block? What did I learn as a child that said money had to be hard worked for? Like, why why is that and so i've been doing a lot around that that's my kind of internal story right now is trying to figure that out um so you know hopefully within a few months i'll have more to report on that but i'm going deep on that right now and it's been kind of exciting and fun and eye-opening to be quite honest um some memories popping up from childhood and you know things that are happening because i i know i'm doing everything right in the business world i know that i've made the best products that are out there i know that i have you know that I, I know i'm a great spokesperson for it i know i'm this i know i'm that I need to now get out there and sell these things, right? So like, but why, why isn't it coming easy to me? Why do some people like turn on a website and they're gone off the charts and other people, how do we do this? How do we navigate this? So it's been, that's my new thing. It's, it's so hard to be in our minds, right? And what, what I see is that you stopped asking the wrong questions. You stopped being a victim. You took ownership of your life and the life that you're manifesting. You stopped blaming everyone else. And I think that's where your that's where the gold is here and you know with me it's the same thing i was speaking with someone the other day and they're like oh my god i just wish i had my shit together like you have it together and i'm like what are you talking about i have imposter syndrome i haven't figured shit out i can't do this i can't do that and so the reality is what's in our mind it's amazing the difference because others will see you in their light while you're seeing yourself within from your own perception. And it's just a crazy, crazy world that we live in. And I think that what you've done is incredible. So thank you for that. And now in closing, we all want to find out what is Cassie doing today and what's your business now? How can you help the seven hatters? How can they reach out to you? Thank you for asking. Yeah, I, um, during the pandemic, shut down the corporate wellness business that I was telling you about and started, really, I had been for about a year thinking seriously about launching and formulating my own supplements line. And um, anyways, it seemed like a big feat. And I, I've been a spokesperson for a few large supplement companies and, you know, brands and those types of things. And I remember thinking, you know, as I got trained on their products, as I learned more and more about the industry, and I'm that kind of person who... Um, I don't eat a whole lot unless I know the people making it. I don't take supplements unless I know the people making it. And that seems like 
really outside of the norm for people who don't do that. But I have flown across the United States multiple times to go to supplement manufacturers because I have that background in manufacturing. I understand it and wanted to learn more about it and know what I'm putting in my body. Because like, yeah, it doesn't seem like a big deal if you have a filler and a daily supplement or, you know, a little bit of a filler and a supplement. But when you're taking that daily, that adds up. And so all these companies were getting bought out by others and the ones that I trusted were no longer. Um, and so I, I decided maybe it was time for me to look into that. And it was one of those weird things where, you know, COVID happened, everything kind of shut down. Um, I was able to get in touch with people that I probably would not have been able to get in touch with otherwise. So I was given a little blessing there. Obviously, like, again, there's there's a little signpost on the right path. Here's the right people showing up, like big name chemists who have made like huge brands and names and holistic products out there who understand how to make these things showed up and were able to help me formulate and come up with um, a couple lines of products that I'm just launching with. And um, it's been an interesting road. I'm like super proud that we, we spent some time, you know, test marketing and taking it out to, um, you know, our local area, hundreds of people trying to get feedback on the taste and trying to get feedback on how people felt and, you know, making everything perfect. And we're literally just about to launch with that. So it's super exciting. I appreciate the opportunity um, to help people, help them find something. And I really want people to understand that if you're if you're buying supplements, you want to make sure that they're the real thing because there's not a whole lot of um, regulation out there. And there are a lot of companies that slip things in there that shouldn't be there and vice versa. You know, they're not meeting the label claims. Um, and I wanted to make something that I knew was truly wholesome, was really going to be able to help people, had a very well-rounded um, array of products inside of it, ingredients that were beneficial and helpful and none that were going to harm them. And that's what I've been doing. And it's been a lot of fun. And um, we'll see what the next year brings. I hope to keep adding and adding product lines. So the name of the line and where could they go and find it? Are you in retail yet? Are you doing it online? Did you launch it? What can the Seven Hatters do to get some in their hands? Yeah, our website is wellnesscollection.com. And from there, unfortunately, we have to go out to two websites because one of our lines is CBD, in which case it has to be certain credit card processors and banks and those types of things, which um, won't be the other lines. The other one is a daily, it's called Revitalized Daily Immunity and Essentials Pack. So basically a multi and steroids, multivitamin, mineral and antioxidant blend. Um, but anyways, wellnesscollection.com is where you can go to both of those sites and purchase them. Um, again, we're going to be adding more and more to that. We we launched locally, I'm in the Detroit area, um, about six months ago, and we have nine or 10 resellers right now. So chiropractics, um, some high-end yoga studios, a boutique hotel locally that's carrying our sleep aid for their guests in the mini bar, which is super cute and cool, um, you know, physician offices, stuff like that. But we are not quite ready to go into retail. As a matter of fact, you are a big part of that. That's how we met was I came on one of your webinars and just understanding, I mean, you're an expert in the industry and I knew nothing about it. And that one hour with you, what I was able to spend and learn, I realized we're not ready. We're not ready to go there. We don't have the money to go there. We need to start online where I can be the video face and, you know, do a lot of the spokesperson type roles. Um, and then hopefully we will get there one day if that's where we want to take our business, but we were not currently ready and we're positioned properly to do that. So it's all going to be online for now. And again, some local resellers, so just that we have personal relationships with. You know, it's all about trust. It's all about authenticity. You have it in spades. I'm going to put the links in the show notes. Cassie, it was such an enlightening and amazing conversation. I really thank you for joining us and sharing your wisdom and sharing your story and being vulnerable enough to really put it all out there. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm sure I'll have you on soon enough. Yuval, thank you for having me. It's 
lovely to be here and I'm so excited for everybody to um, get a chance to listen to your wisdom because there's a lot of it. It's really great to hear you. Blessings. Like I heard the other day, namaste all day. (laughs) Namaste all day. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Cassie. Let's end today with a segment of the show that I refer to as, what can we hang our hat on? And here's my takeaway. The entrepreneurial journey is full of highs and lows that can bring mental and physical health problems, including self-doubt, anxiety, and depression. It doesn't matter how great your business idea is if you can't execute it due to low physical, mental, and emotional strength. As an entrepreneur, focusing on your mind-body-spirit connection should be on top of your long to-do list. We are our bodies, our emotions, and our spirituality, and all these things combined determine our well-being and make us who we are. You're going to get knocked down on your journey, and if you don't find balance and stay centered, you won't hear life's little whispers and hints, which will force the universe to resort to more obvious signals that you can't miss. Best to avoid that route. Pay attention to the following top 10 activities to keep your mind, body, and spirit in check while still executing in business. Reduce your stress. Pay attention to your nutrition. Find time to stretch and exercise. Set healthy sleep habits. Stay well hydrated. Practice yoga, tai chi, or meditation. Take time off and rest your mind and body. Take time to get a massage, acupuncture, or try tapping. Journal with mindfulness. And most importantly, love yourself because you're incredible. These just scratch the surface of habits that you can adapt to heal. As Cassie stated, the journey is just that, the journey. There is no destination. Take small steps each day and stay consistent until each habit is adopted and becomes a routine. It won't be perfect, and you will fall off the wagon at times. But don't give up. It's so worth it. If you found this episode helpful, please hit that subscribe button and tell other entrepreneurs out there what value you got from it so we can attract even more high-quality people into the Seven Hats community. So for now, I will bid you farewell and success on your journey. And until next time, my name is Yuval Selleck, and I tip my hat off to you.